Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. And listen now to the scripture. I want to read to you from John chapter 20. And uh, I'm going to start reading at the 19th verse. <clears throat> Let me tell you, the, the, the tomb and the scene at the, at the opening of the tomb has passed a few hours. Now we're moving into scene number two. We're in the 19th verse of the 20th chapter of the gospel according to John. And it's evening. And there's a group of disciples who... Uh, are gathered frightened in knowing that Jesus of whom they are a disciple has been crucified he has been executed and he has been buried and they are meeting together and I read to you from the 19th verse then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and he said unto them peace be unto you when he had so said, he showed him his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he saith unto them, Receive you the Holy Ghost. And whosoever sins you remit, they remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and I put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand unto his side, I will not believe. Now we'll be back there in just a moment. But I'm going to stop the story and bring you up to date. I realize today that there are many that are watching by television as well as in the building. And the whole story has is, is never been told to you about what is all this about Easter. I'm going to try to do it in just a couple of three minutes. I want everyone here to know, from Gen starting with Genesis 1, here's the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He literally spoke this planet into existence according to the scripture. And then God made all of the, the water and the sun, the light, the moon, the stars. He made the fish, the birds, the animals. And then one day he made man because he wanted something to fellowship with and to carry out his plan. So he made a person named Adam and Eve. He gave them not 10 commandments, not 5,000 laws or 30,000 laws or 30 million laws. He gave them one instruction, don't eat that tree. You can enjoy everything on this planet. It all belongs to you. Don't eat that tree. Well, you know that Satan came in the form of a snake. The other, the evil deity, or God. And as he came and tempted them, don't eat. If you eat that, you'll become like God. That's the reason that you, that you can't trust God. He's tricking you. They believe the devil, left God, ate the tree. 
When that happened, sin came into the world. You say, how can I know that? Just look at your own life and the life of all your kids. They did not come into this world good. They came into this world bad. And your grandkids and your great-grandkids, you will spend no time teaching them how to be wrong. They will lie. They will cheat. They will do everything in the world. Why? Because they're sinners. They're little sinners that are going to become big sinners unless something happens in their life. But I'm telling you, that's the proof of original sin, okay? Sin came in the world. The time came, that had to be dealt with. It was prophesied through all of the, of the Old Testament. We have Bibles underlined to give those of you that make decisions that tell you all the scriptures of how God planned for the first coming of Jesus Christ that preceded the resurrection by about 30 years. Well, whenever <clears throat> sin came into the world through Adam and Eve, all were born sinners, it had to be taken care of. Sin had to be paid for. God became flesh. He sent his son, Jesus. He lived the perfect life, never sinned. Went around uh, doing miracles. Everybody said, this guy, Jesus, he's not all, uh, like all the other religious people that we know. They're just like us, maybe worse than us, but here's Jesus, and he knew no sin. So the government could not handle it. They wanted to be in control. Can you imagine such a thing? And God said, I'm not, I'm not going to let anyone take control. This is my world. These are my people. So God sent his son. He died on the cross. How was he different? I guess if you listen to the first thing that ever happened. Remember when he's nailing him? What was the first words that came out of his mouth? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Standing beside him was a man that had executed no telling how many people on, on Roman crosses. He had seen many, the, the small and the great, executed for whatever reason. And what did he say? I've never been at the execution of a man like this man, Jesus. Truly, this man is the son of God. The executioner said that about this man. But he died. And for three days, he went into hell to pay for the sins of all the rest of us. He literally paid for our sins. But Sunday came. And Sunday morning, when the world was celebrating and all the cameras were there to record, that was the big news. That man, Jesus, is dead. He rose from the grave. He rose from the grave and for 40 days just went around dealing with whatever issue. First of all, it's to his apostles. 40 days later, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He sits there right now and he says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to get my church, my children, my bride. Not the Baptists, not the Catholics, not the Presbyterians, not any particular group. I'm coming to get my kids that I have bought with my blood. I'm coming back to get them, and so shall they ever be with me. Now, the resurrection is the day that we're, that, that's the event that we're celebrating today. Jesus was then and is now the answer to the needs of our world. No question about it. Isn't it interesting? They said, it says, and they were glad, verse 20, then were the disciples glad when they saw each other. Is that what that says? It says, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Is that a little different from church today? 
We come to church, we're just glad to see each other. Man, glad to see you. High five, man. Hadn't seen you in church for a while. Good to see you. Oh, yeah, good to see you, brother. Yeah, yeah, I'm starting back to church now. I made a New Year's resolution now. Glad to see you. Yeah, hey, did you see you in church today? Oh, I can't believe that. I cannot believe it. Did you see who was over there in church? Can you imagine them being in a church house? God help the roof not to fall in. I mean, you know, we just look into each other. <laughs> Let me tell you about that, that little service. They were glad when they saw the Lord. Let me tell you something. You'll be glad, too, if you ever see the Lord. If you ever see God and who he is and how much he loves you, you will be glad. When you, I don't care what the music was or what the preacher preached or where you got to sit or what the temperature was or whether you got a good parking place or not. If you see the Lord, you'll never forget it. They were glad when they saw the Lord. And the story goes on. Whenever they moved from that, that time and, 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 and uh, uh, they, they realized that, you know, God is here. He hadn't forgot us. You see, Jesus is the real thing. There's a lot of counterfeits around. People want people to see Jesus. Well, they really don't care. They just want to go to heaven. That's what they want to do. They don't care what people think. You know how you can tell a counterfeit from something real? Any of you in the banking business? Any of you in the, in the retail business? Well, how do you tell a counterfeit $100 bill? Well, how do you do it? Do you study all the different counterfeits? No. You study what? The real deal, right? Then you know this is a real $100 bill. Everything else is counterfeit, right? Let me tell you how you know when you've met the Lord, you've found the real thing. You find no fault in him. You find all power given unto him. You find love that's greater than any love you've ever experienced in your life. He loves you in spite of your sin. He loves you unconditionally. You found the real deal when you find Jesus. He is no counterfeit. He is real and he is alive. And I don't want people to discourage you. I don't want counterfeits to discourage you. Don't look at the counterfeits. Look at the real deal. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And remember this. It's truth that sets you free. It's truth that sets you free. Don't be scared of the truth. Even if you don't accept the truth, prove it to be wrong before you reject it. Jesus said, I am the way, I'm the truth. You know, every morning when I look in the mirror, you know what I've come to realize? The person I'm looking at doesn't know any more than I do. <laughs> now, your mirror may be different at your house, but, you know, I just don't get any encouragement by looking in the mirror that I'm going to learn anything new today. But I know something about Jesus. Every day with him is sweeter than the day before. Every day that I feel like that I'm in a spot where I can just be still and know he's God, I feel and experience something I've never felt in my life. And it's good. It's good. It's a peace that passes all understanding. If I were today to ask the people in this room to stand up, that you could honestly say, one day in my life, when I was drifting around in this world, Jesus came into my life. And from that day until this Easter Sunday, a wonderful change in my life took place. There would be hundreds of people stand. Listen, when you meet Jesus, you're not the same again. You don't just get a little dab of religiosity. You get a brand new life. Old things pass away. All things become new. You get a fresh start. Now you're an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're adopted, bought with his blood. You're a child of the king. You don't know about God. You know God. And when you know God, it's different than knowing about God because people will confuse you by telling you what they don't know about God that changes your opinion about God. But if you know God, you know the real thing. 
and they don't, they don't mess you up. Bad preaching will not mess you one up, one iota if you know this book. If you sit at the feet of people that preach what they think or what they think you want to hear, you'll be as mixed up as a termite and a yo-yo, okay? <laughs> but if you'll just come to the moment when you say, I'm going to look for the real thing, and when I find the real thing, that's the way I'm going to live the rest of my life. You will never, ever regret it. If you want your life to have meaning, that's the way it'll happen. Listen to what verse 21 says. He said, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, then he looks at the disciples, so send I you. Every one of them had a purpose. Every one of you have a purpose. You say, well, nobody's ever told me what it is. There's one that wants to tell you who it is, what it is, if you had just let him. He wants to tell you. He wants to tell you exactly what he has planned for your life, but you've got to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to not let people tell you what you're good at. You let God tell you what you were created for. We ask, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? That's, that's all the time. I just simply say to you, God has a plan. This story is so clear. Why others had deserted Jesus, I don't know why so few came back that morning after he had promised for centuries that he would die and on the third day he would raise, be raised. Just a handful of people. You could have carried them out there in one wagon. Where's everybody else? Ho-humming in life, just like people are today. Well, people were frightened. They were locked in by fear. If they ran out to that tomb, they'd be executed by the same folks that, that nailed Jesus. That's what it was about. They were scared of the government. They were scared of what he would do. But not those that went. These disciples, okay. I, uh, I like what Jesus said to them. <laughs> what would you have said? Those guys that deserted you, you went out and hung on a cross and you got to talk to these guys? What would you say? Man, when I get in, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You know, you sorry, no good rats. You told me I blessed you and I did this and that. And you wouldn't, I mean, you just walked out of me. I can imagine, boom, 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 boom. You see what he said? Peace I give unto you. What? What? Whew. Makes me feel better. Whew. I just knew you was just going to rant and rave. No, no, let me tell you, folks. Jesus loves you. He's not out to tell you off. He is out to bring you in. He takes you like you are, and he wants to make you into what he created you to be. People think that if they, if they come to Jesus, they'll have no friends. Go to Mark chapter 10. It's, it says you'll receive a hundredfold now in this time by coming to the Lord Jesus. You will have different friends, but you won't lose friends as far as no net gain. And by the way, you won't have to leave the friend. They'll leave you. I can promise you that. You say, well, I'll be fired from my job. If so, God will give you a better job. Amen. I think people might be offended. Let me ask you something. You think sinners mind offending us? I don't seem to see any problem with that, okay? Let, let them do that. I'm not saying go offend them, but I'm not worried if it does. If I speak in love and you speak in love and you go out and share with your friends in love because you want them to go to heaven with you, if they get mad at you one day, they'll say, thank you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't know. 
I thought you were trying to use me. I thought you were, making, you were going to make a religious nut out of me. No. Hey, believers, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to witness to the resurrection. Jesus is alive. Don't turn your back on the one who gave his life for you. You don't have to be afraid of death. Death has no, no more dominion over you. Satan can't kill you. We're going to live forever. All of us are. Some are going to live in heaven and some are going to live in hell, but all are going to live forever. Nobody can take your life. But as we tremble at that kind of thing, we don't want to tell the truth about I'm hurting, I'm broken. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go on again. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. We've had two instances in the last 14 days at the cross that people came to take their life. You know where they ended up? In that baptistry. Yes, yes, yes. With their whole family of friends around them saying something happened. They put down a gun and took up their life and they're going to live for God. That's the message of the resurrection. He's alive. There's a future for failures. This is the first day of the rest of our life. None of us can undo the past, but we can be born again and start over again. We can start over again. If you're lonely, if you're hurting, please believe me. God loves you and hear me. Jesus is alive. Mark 10, 27 says that Jesus looked on them. It says, with men... It's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. You know what? I bet every one of us know somebody that we've said, there ain't no way. I mean, they, they, they ain't no way they're coming to God. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I just don't bring it up anymore around them. You know how they are. You know how they are. You know, and if you just want to start a real riot, just say something about Jesus, you know. Don't count on it. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. There's some dudes in the Bible that were pretty tough. And God changed them like that. You just keep on telling them, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. Well, Jesus came and he stood in their midst. He didn't rebuke them. He said, peace unto you. Peace be with you. Is anybody here today that needs peace in your life? They needed it. Maybe that's what you need today. Now we're coming to the eighth day. I don't think anybody here would argue the point that America needs Jesus. Houston needs Jesus. Our families need Jesus. We all need Jesus. You know what the Bible says? Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all of my needs. That means all of your needs too, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We need a spiritual awakening in America. We, we, we need to understand that that's our only hope. And in verse 22, the Lord said unto them, he breathed on them and he said, receive you the Holy Ghost. Receive you the Holy Spirit. And a peace came. You see, the Holy Spirit brings power, comfort, provisions, hope, strength, healing, forgiveness. That's what it brings what allows you to have peace 
And forgiveness and hope is the Holy Spirit. You see, when Jesus went back to heaven, I'd have left this part until right now to tell you, he said, I'm going to leave you a comforter. I can't be with all of you. I can only be at one place at one time. Jesus was flesh and blood just like you are and I am. He said, you're going you're gonna to need a personal God to go with you. So I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be with you wherever you go and whatever you do. And that Holy Spirit is here. You see, you can't do God's work. Only God can do God's work. And the only way I can be anywhere involved in God's work is for these hands, this, this, this body, this mouth, these ears, this eyes to be submitted to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit and for him to do his work through me and you and my world and the same thing is true in your world. Now, don't miss this. In just a second, I'm going to be through, but I hope I'll leave something here that will really mean something to you. I want you to notice that 26th verse. And after eight days, again, those same disciples were there, but their crowd had grown by one. Listen. And Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus. One week, eight days later, the door was shut. He stood in the midst. Thomas is there. And Thomas is included, peace be unto you. Man, again, he's God and I'm not. I'd have wrung his neck. <laughs> you doubter, you wimp. You know, what do you mean doubting me? What have I done to doubt? You know, bam, 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 you know. That's not our God. Aren't you glad the people you know aren't God? Aren't you glad the person you're married with is not God? I see the ladies going like that. All right. But listen, eight days. Thomas shows up. Eight days ago, today, on Sunday night, the number one voice of Southern Baptists was in this pulpit. This building was about two-thirds full. Most of you were not there. I'm not putting you down. I'm not, listen to my point. I'm not putting you down. I'm not, I'm not at all. But you're here today. Eight days later, Jesus loves you just as much as he loved those that were here last Sunday night. He is here. You can touch him. Peace be unto you, he said. Thomas was there. He held out his hands. He said, I've got to touch you. He said, touch me. See if I'm real. And he reached out and he touched him. And he fell and he said, my Lord and my God. Can you say that today? Or is this just another Easter of hiding eggs? and eating wonderful food, enjoying great fellowship with one another. It's great to see one another, but if you miss God, you missed everything. It's been eight days. You're here, and there is an opportunity. Do you love him? Is he, is he real? With every head bowed and every eye closed. <clears throat> Jesus said this to Thomas. Listen to me while you're, you're quiet as we can be. Thomas, this is verse 29, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen me and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in the Bible. But these are written 
that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name and the scripture closes. And heaven and hell, hope and our helplessness are before you. Light or darkness, life or death, hope or regrets, it's all there. Now, we, you, have to make your choice. Is it just another Easter with some wonderful songs and good fellowship, or this is the moment for you? On the eighth day, Thomas said, yes, my Lord and my God, for you to say that. If you were here last night, this entire altar, these aisles, all four aisles, people were to the back, all the way back to the terrace, all the way around here. You say, were they getting saved? No. Some of them were, but the most of them, you know what they were saying? They were just like Thomas. I now am going to be used by God. And I'm going to make God the priority the rest of my life. I'm going to quit playing this Christian game, this church membership game, this, this silly stuff. I'm going to be real. I'm going to use my gifts, my talent. What God's called me to do, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Let me ask you while people's uh, heads are bowed. Nobody, please nobody look. Please. If you are here and you say, I'm a, a pastor, I'm a believer, I want to join that guy. I wasn't here last night. Maybe if you were here and you want to raise your hand again, that's fine. But I want to be a part of that group. I'm going to make a commitment in my life today. God doesn't have to come prove himself to me. I know there's a God. I know that he lives in my life. I know that he has put me in a unique situation with a unique personality, with a bunch of unique people, but I'm going to use my life to glorify God. Would you just slip up your hand? to God just as high as you can lift it to the Lord and say that's my prayer that's my hope that's what Easter's about to me and this Easter in particular there are many many hands that are lifted just just lift it up a second now I'm not going to ask you to stand it's not going to be any invitation to come to this altar but you need to have a moment of just like Thomas my Lord and my God I'm drawing a line from this moment God's going to be first in my life can you do that can you do it? Just lift it up. Now I want you to put them down. If you're here today and you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart, I want you to just pray a simple prayer with me right now. You've never asked him in. I don't care how many churches you, you, you have joined. I don't care how many services you've been to right now. Would you trust Jesus as your Savior? I want you to pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I can't save myself. I know that sin is real in my life. And I confess that there's a lot of sins that I enjoy. But I know you've said that that's only for a season. And God, I don't want to stay in this mess until Satan pierces my heart and destroys my life. I want you to take my life. Just where it is, 
and make it what you created it to be. I want to be born again. I've turned from my sin. I'm asking you to come into my heart. And I know you've said, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be forgiven and saved. And that's what I'm doing. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.